Well, you guys get to see my face every day, but you only get to hear me preach like once a month now. You get, yeah, and yeah, and my children get to see my face all the time and hear me talk all the time. Well, we are going to uh, conclude our sermon series, and we're going to talk a little bit about purpose today. And um, I believe the Lord has kind of like stirred some of this. And so, the, so uh, if you're taking notes today, the title of this message is, He Changes My Purpose. Well, Lord, we just come before you in the mighty name of Jesus, and we thank you for your word that changes our life. God, we thank you for, God, your word that, that penetrates and sharpens. God, uh, God, it's like a double-edged sword, and we thank you that, God, that you would bring alignment, God, uh, God, through your message uh, today. And, Lord, we just want to, God, reflect and be, become more like you. And so, Lord, we come before you, God, with humility, and we come before you with grace, and, God, we come before you with hunger because we want more of you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. He changes my purpose. And so um, if you got your Bibles, can you turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 12? We're going to read one verse out of Romans chapter 12. This is really cool. I've seen this verse actually in my notebook. I've got this really cool notebook that somebody bought for me a number of years ago uh, that I've been using as my preaching notebook. It says strong and courageous. And then on each little each little uh, page, it has a scripture verse. And so uh, so I read, I read this verse, and, I, and mind you, I have Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2 memorized, and I read this, and I'm like, wait, what translation is that? I've never, I've never heard that. So obviously I have, because I have read through the New Living Translation. So Romans chapter 12, verse 2 in the New Living Translation, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but this is the part, this is so cool. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And I believe that's what, God, that's what God does. God changes us by changing our mindset, changing the way we perceive things. How many of us know that, that uh, have you ever uh, heard that perception is everything? Have you ever heard that saying before? Basically, how you perceive something. So if, so if you walk into a restaurant and, uh, and you, could, you could perceive that it's good food and the person that's sitting next to you or sitting uh, apart from you, or sitting, you know, alongside you, could perceive that it's their food is bad. So one had a good experience, another had a bad experience. One person wants to go back to the restaurant. The other person is like, eh, maybe, maybe not. And so I believe God wants to transform the way that we think. He wants to transform perhaps maybe some bad perceptions or maybe some wrong perceptions. And so as we talk about purpose here today, and so, friends, we, wa- we all want purpose, we all want meaning, we all want fulfillment. It's the reason Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life, was a New York Times bestseller back in 2007 and stayed on the list for 90 weeks because there is a hunger inside people for purpose. There's a hunger inside people to want well, what, what is the reason why, why I'm here? Why do I exist? And I'm going to tell you what that reason is. So I'm going to give you that answer, but I'm not doing it right now. We're going we're to get to it in a moment. But first we're going to say this. Uh, what is purpose? So if you look up the word purpose in the dictionary, you're going to find obviously this. Purpose is the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. So when you say 
When somebody asks you, what is my purpose? They're asking you, well, why do I exist? Why am I here? Why? Uh, I'm not an accident. Have you ever, have you ever shared uh, the message of the gospel, the message of hope with somebody and said, you're not an accident. You're here on purpose. Have you ever, anybody ever said that? You're not an accident. Okay. Because there's this belief, you know, that we're just some cosmic uh, accident that, that, you know, that your, your great-great-grandfather is a protoplasm, you know, uh, amoeba of some sort. When actually the Bible teaches us and through life experience we realize that we were created for purpose. Amen. We were created on purpose. Look at your neighbor and say, I was created on purpose. I was created on purpose. You were. See, people are so confused about their reason for existence. People believe that their career is their purpose. Friends, let me just go ahead and say this. Friends, what you do is not your purpose. Okay? What you do for a living is not your purpose. Okay? But a lot of people, they find their, they think their purpose is what they do. No, friends, what you do is not your purpose. Say this. Say, what I do is not my purpose. Okay, so we're just going to clear the air with that right there, okay? Because if you were to say that, then, okay, would you say that David's purpose in life was to be king? His purpose was to be king. That was his purpose. No, that was his calling. He found his purpose when he was tending sheep out in the pasture. That's when he found his purpose. But his calling was to be a king. And so sometimes I think people get calling and, and, uh, and purpose. They get those confused. And we're going to get into that in just a moment. So, obviously, uh, my... You know, if I was to say, you know, my purpose is to be a pastor. My purpose is to be a minister. Well, what happens when that job profession changes? Well, then you have people, they feel like they've lost their purpose in life because what they've done is they've attributed what they do to what they feel their existence is. And so, friends, that's why we have to completely, we got, we got to identify what our purpose is, what our calling is, and what our assignment is. And we're going to get into that in a, in a little bit, Okay. My purpose isn't to be a pastor. Okay, when God knit me in my mother's womb, he didn't say his purpose is to be a minister. No. Okay, my purpose isn't to, to do that, even though being a minister is my calling. A pastor is my assignment. Again, what I do, okay, is not my purpose. Josh Pastor's purpose isn't to plant churches, to build churches. My purpose, here we go, my purpose isn't to be a father, to be a preacher, to be a pastor, to be a husband. Those are not my, that's not my purpose, okay? Some people through life, they live life believing that their purpose is to get bigger and better stuff. They believe their purpose is pleasure. They believe their purpose is to, to get rich. At one time in my life, my purpose was to, was to live for myself, and I did that through weed and money. That was my purpose. I, I, I would say that. I live for weed and money. There was that one time where my purpose was completely selfish and all that. So, friends, and I'm going to go ahead and say this, too. Your gifts, your talents, and your abilities aren't your purpose. Some people believe that their purpose, see, LeBron James' purpose on life, was his purpose isn't to play basketball. That's a call. But he has a purpose. Some people say, well, I was put on this planet to play basketball. No, you weren't. So what is that? So, friends, Jesus changes our purpose. When you have an encounter with God, he changes that selfish inclination, that selfish ambition of you desiring to live for yourself, and he changes this thing. And then we find out what our true reason for being is and why we exist. Friends, do you want to know your purpose today? Ask you say, what is my purpose? <laughs> okay, this is it. This is your purpose. You ready? Are you ready? 
Look at your neighbor, poke them, say, are you ready? This is your purpose. Your purpose is to love God and to be loved by him. Your purpose, the reason you exist is to love God and to be loved by him. Friends, it's the mantra of the greatest commandment. That we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Obviously, you can find that in Matthew 22, 37 through 39. We're not going to read all that. So, friends, Jesus gives us an, an eternal purpose, not a temporary worldly one. And there's two scriptures that I'm, that I'm just going to share to just verify the reason why we exist. The first one is found in Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. And then the King James Version, it says this. It says, for thy pleasure we were created. Check this out. It says, for thou, we just, we just sang this, thou art worthy, amen, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things. Who created all things? God. And for thy pleasure they were created. So the reason we were created is for God's pleasure. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 21. In the New King James Version, it says this. It says, this people I have formed for who? Myself, capitalized. You see that? God has formed us for himself. Why? And it says, they shall declare my praise. So, friends, you were created to worship. You were created to love God and to be loved by him. Say, my purpose is to love God and be loved by him. And, friends, out of that purpose comes your call, comes your assignment, comes the, the I know the plans I have for you, comes all of that stuff. But we got to have that alignment. we got to realize that our purpose, your, my purpose isn't to do stuff. My purpose isn't, can't be wrapped up in what I do because if it does, then I will always be looking for something that's never fulfilling. And again, I just shared, what happens when that, that job title or that position changes? And my life is wrapped up in it. That's how you have people jumping out of, of high-story buildings because they wrap their purpose around them being a business person or making money for this company or whatever it might be. You still with me? This is the thing, and this is the reason why we have the Great Commission, because, friends, people without purpose feel they have no value. I'm going to say that again. People without purpose feel they have no value, or what they do is they receive their value from people. Lisa Brevere says this. It's pretty awesome. She says this. She says, we find our value in the presence of God, not in the presence of people. She's quoted by saying this. You don't find out who you are in the presence of people. You find out who you are in the presence of God. People can't tell you who you are. Only your creator can tell you who you are. Only my creator told me who I was and gave me value and identity that I can step into the call of God for my life. You guys with me? So this is it. So here I'm going to just define these real quick so that we kind of get a little bit of clarity. Friends, your purpose is your reason for being. Say, my purpose is my reason for being. And what is it? What is your purpose? Shout it out. 
Yep, to love God and be loved by him. That's your purpose. He started that all the way back at the beginning in the garden. When he created Adam, uh, it was to have fellowship, realizing that Adam needed himself an Eve, created an Eve, said it's not good that man should be a loaf. And, and their purpose was to walk in the cool of the garden with God. That was their purpose. Okay? That's our purpose. Our purpose is to commune with God. Now, your call is what you're supposed to do. And a lot of people get this confused. They're like, well, what's my call? What's, what's God called me to do? What am, I, what am I supposed to do? Well, I can't tell you what that is. God has to tell you what that is. You gotta, that's something that you've got to figure out. And then your assignment is how you're doing it. So, friends, we all have purpose. We all have a call. And we all have assignment or assignments. Our purpose is why we exist. Our call is what we're supposed to do. And our assignments is, are, is how are we doing that? So, for example, friends, your purpose is to love God and be loved by him. Maybe your call is to do the work of the ministry. And so maybe it's done through your assignment, which is maybe you're going to be a pastor or a preacher. Maybe you're going to be a business owner or a teacher or a cook or a plumber or a painter or a computer tech or consultant or an office administrator or a construction worker. Your assignment is being on the assembly of assembly line because your call is to be uh, do the work of the ministry because you have a purpose. Come on, somebody say amen. Again, this all coincides with I know the plans I have for you, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. That has to do with our calling and our assignment or assignments. Is this making sense today, guys? Again, your assignment is not your purpose. Your call is not your purpose. Your purpose, your reason for being is to be loved by God and and to love him. And see, what happens is when you actually know your purpose, then, friends, you're not shaken. How is it that Jesus was not shaken? What if Jesus put his purpose in his, in his, in his assignment? What if Jesus, what if he put his purpose in being a carpenter? <laughs> then he never would have f- fulfilled what God called him to do. His assignment, obviously, was a carpenter. But what if he put his purpose in that? Well, I can't carve no more. I can't build no more. I can't do this no more. Good thing Jesus didn't put his purpose in carpentry, and he put his purpose in doing the will of the Father. Amen? Friends, you have a purpose. You have to live on purpose. And as my wife says, you have to be purposeful. We got this really cool little thing that she has, a little piece of wood on our table, just to remind us as we're walking through the house to live life with purpose and meaning to be purposeful. So Today I'm going to just kind of talk about three things that we need to be purposeful in or, or what we need to be purposeful to do or however you want to word it. It's going to be on the screens. Friends, uh, to be purposeful, we have to, number one, we have to commune with God. We absolutely have to spend time with God. Alignment happens in our heart and our mind when we commune with him. Joy, peace are gifts from God, and if, they're up, and if they're separated from your life, then that means you're not communing with him. Because the fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. The, they're fruit of the Spirit. They're not fruit of the flesh. They come by you spending time in the Spirit of God, with the Word of God, being in communion with God. Amen. Communion with him, spending time with him, being filled with him, and this is cool. Friends, being filled with him helps me not to be full of myself. 
Because people that are full of themselves are jerks. <laughs> right? I mean, if you deal with somebody who's full of themselves, they're usually not pleasant to be around. So when you actually commune with God and you allow God to fill you, right? Isn't that what it says? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. When we allow him to fill us, then what actually happens is this powerful exchange, which was a prophetic declaration from John the Baptist and when he said, he must increase and I must decrease. Or in other words, he must become greater, I must become less. It's this powerful exchange of us saying yes to God, no to ourself. And that happens through communion with him. As you spend time with him, as you apply his word to your heart, as you are in prayer and, and allowing God to just kind of shift our thinking and our heart and our mind, and then we actually, because in your flesh wants to decrease. Our flesh wants position. Our selfish nature wants accolades. Our human nature wants to be recognized and wants to be lifted up and wants, wants to be on top and wants to kick people down. I mean, that's our human nature. That's our flesh. That's our, that's our selfish, sinful nature. And that thing dies when we spend time with God. Amen? It can't die when you don't. If you're not spending time with God, you're not going to die <laughs> to yourself. Look at your neighbor and say, die. And then add to yourself. <laughs> Die to yourself. You got to die to your flesh, friends. You got to die to yourself. We must decrease, you must increase. That's John chapter 30, or John chapter 3, verse 30. Number two, friends, we need to be purposeful in identifying our calling. There are so many people that don't know what they're supposed to do in life. They're, they're, they just, they're like, I don't know. I, I don't know. Well, friends, guess what? I didn't realize my calling until I realized my purpose. When I realized my purpose, then the Lord, the Lord uh, revealed the calling. Amen? And so, I mean, there's so many people that don't know what their calling is. And I'm going to just go ahead and kind of like jump out there a little bit and just say this, that usually your calling is married to your passions and giftings. Usually what God has gifted you with and given you a passion for can usually, is usually married with what you're called to do. Because this is the thing, friends, when you surrender your life to God and you give up your rights, surrender your, your rights to God, and then now you have a kingdom perspective, you're living for the kingdom of God, right? You're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, okay? Then, friends, you can, you can pretty much say that what you're passionate about and what you're gifted in usually are going to align with what God has called you to do. Does that make sense? So, for example, so if you are, you know, if there's a passion inside of you for business and you are aligned with the kingdom of God and you're aligned with the Lord, then most likely I guarantee you your call is probably within that realm. If you're passionate about, uh, you know, maybe a sex slave uh, trafficking and stuff like that, I guarantee you there's something inside of you that probably is going to identify with you doing something with that as a part of your call. Does that make sense? You know, it's so funny, there was a, there was a uh, we did a, a youth conference a number of years ago, and I was just talking about, um, or not a number of years ago, we did a youth conference a number of weeks ago, not a number of years ago, and, uh, and I was talking about how uh, God needs marketplace missionaries, and, and I said, what did I say? I said, I said, you know, if you have a call in business, you know, God has is, is anointed you in that area, and for some reason, you just wonder why. I said, because God needs Christian business owners, and I said, if you feel called in the arts, I said, God needs people who are in the creative field using their gifts and their talents. to. to and I had, a, I, had a, I had a young man afterwards said, that's amazing. He's like, I was blown away. He was like, 
He's like, my girlfriend and I, she was sitting right next to me, and I, I feel called to business, and she has this art thing, and we've always been asking, like, like, well, why are, you know, we feel this call to do something. We want to be involved. You know, we want to do something for God, but we've got this desire to, to do these different things. I'm like, God is just marrying your call with your purpose or your call with, with your assignment. He's marrying that thing, what you feel called to do with what you're, how you're going to do it. So we need to identify our call. Be passionate about the king and allow your gifts and your talents to flow through, through those things. The Bible says many are called but few are chosen. Are you answering the call of God on your life? He's calling out. He's like, yoo-hoo, joy. Yoo-hoo, shua. <laughs> He's calling out to you. Many are called, few are chosen. Why, why are few chosen? Because I think few people really don't identify what their call is. Because they don't know their, their purpose. Friends, being a minister is a call. Being a parent is a call. Some people, their call, you know, their, their call is to parenthood. Some people's call is to singleness. Some of y'all don't want to hear that right now. <laughs> That's a calling. Okay? Praise God wasn't called like that. <laughs> but praise God for people that are. Because Paul calls that a high call. Because then you don't have to worry about all the craziness of family, you can just focus on the Lord, right? It's a high call, and if you can receive it, receive it. And if you can't, then get married. <laughs> it's just it is what it is. And then number three, friends, we need to be purposeful in keeping our priorities in line. And I'm going to end with this one right here. We need to be purposeful in keeping our priorities in line. We want to make sure that we have our right priorities and that we do our best to keep them first. Friends, number one and first and foremost, friends, God should be our first and utmost priority. Nothing should compare or compete with our relationship with God. If you have something that is competing with your relationship with God, then that thing needs to go somewhere. That's called in the Old Testament, idolatry. It's called in the New Testament, idolatry. <laughs> If you have anything that, are, that is competing with your relationship with God, whatever that thing is, you need alignment. You either need to get rid of it or you need to put yourself in alignment. Nothing should compare or compete with our relationship with God. Jesus even uses the illustration when he's talking. He said basically that the way that we love God and the way that we love our family, it should look like hatred. He said if anyone doesn't hate his mother or father or sister or brother for my sake is not worthy of the kingdom. Is he actually telling you to despise and hate your siblings? No, because that's contrary to, to love your neighbors yourself. But what he's saying is the level of love that you have for God should be so high that the love that you have for your, for your family should, should, be, should look so low because he's on a whole nother level. Look at your neighbor say another level. Your love for God should be, it should be on another level. You know, we make it like it should be like this, God, family, ministry. No, it should be God, family, ministry, like, like all down in there. I mean, it should there shouldn't be no comparison. And hopefully you don't have to get tested in that, Lord, right? So God should be our first and prime. And, and, this, and this is the thing, friends, when we keep God our first priority, you have, you have personal spiritual health. And if you're, not, if, you're not personal, if you're not personally, spiritually healthy, healthy blah, blah, you cannot do anything for anybody. A, a person that is sinking and drowning can't save someone else who's drowning. They'll pull each other down. And all too often people are doing that. 
They're sacrificing themselves thinking that they're helping someone else and you're drowning yourself. No, stay on your lifeboat. Pull somebody up. Don't let them push you down. Your personal spiritual health, man, you can't, do not sacrifice your personal spiritual health. I've seen too many people do that and they get burnt out and they get tired and they're like, I'm done with all this. Okay, we don't want to get bitter in the ministry or bitter uh, to the church or bitter to the people of God because we've allowed them to cross that boundary. And so you got to have your personal spiritual health. If you're, if you're full with, with God, then you can love on people and put up with people. Uh-oh. Right? doesn't say carry each other's burdens. That means you got to put up with some people. The only way that happens is if you're full with him. Because if you're not, then you're going to find yourself real easily irritated. You start lashing out on people. So and then number two, obviously, friends. So, so number one, priorities in line. God has to be first. He's got to be utmost. He's got to be prior. Then secondly, your family, friends. This should be your next priority. We have a responsibility as stewards, and it is an honor and a call to be a husband, a father, a wife, or a mother. That is a call on your life. It is one of your calls. Our decision-making should... Uh, our decision, our decision making should keep these priorities in order and not get them backwards as most middle class Americans can do, where they put their family over God. It's family and then God. No, friends, it can never be like that. We can't, we can't adjust that and and put our family as an idol. We've seen it happen too often, where 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 couples they live completely and wholly for their children, and then the ki- children grow up and move out, and then the the couple they don't know who they are anymore. And they're like, their life revolved around raising these kids. Your life cannot revolve around raising your kids. It should be a part of what you do, but it should not revolve around that. Because then when they're gone, you're going to find out that you, you're going to feel that you have no purpose. Or you're going to look at the person that you've spent the last 20 years with and you're like, who are you? I don't know who you are. We lived in the same house and all we did was run around taking care of these kids all day. I love my kids, but I don't live for them. Amen. There was no amens. Okay, cool. All right. <laughs> so here it is right now, altar call for all y'all living for your kids. Get up here. <laughs> it's so easy because, you know, obviously kids, you know, life and, and, and ministry and children and family, it is very demanding. So we have to constantly be, be um, uh, Wayne Cordero talks about the fulcrum and that we just continually shift that fulcrum in our life to make sure that we're staying balanced. When you find it out balance, you're going to find you sink and ship, okay? Okay, then the next priority needs to be church. Fellow, I, and I also put, I put church slash fellowship and serving because it needs to be together. Church is, it's, you don't just come to ser- church to serve, and you don't just come to church for fellowship. It should be all. You should come to church to serve and love on people, and you should be receiving fellowship with him, communion, and with each other. It's this beautiful exchange of the church. It's amazing, Okay? And if you, and this is the thing, friends, if we prioritize our family, remember that, if we prioritize our family, then we will do our best to keep them in church, to keep them in fellowship, to teach them how to serve with us. You want to help your kids get over selfishness? Put them down in Vision Kitchen. That will help them out real quick. Take them on down there. And then finally, and some people give up on that part, and their life is these three things, but you have to have self-interest. You have to have things, you know, I mean, what fills you? You know, what is it things that, that you do that, you know, and it should be that priority. The next one is self-interest. Maybe your hobbies. Maybe, you know, things you like to do, uh, things that, that fill you, things that, um, that you 
do that that um, helps you to kind of, huh, you know, and, and, you know, some people, maybe that thing is, I know my wife is, it, they call it, she calls it uh, therapy, right, shopping therapy, isn't, retail therapy is what she calls it, okay, her budget is very, very small in that, and so she does lots of shopping, and, and her favorite brand is called Clarence, which is clearance, okay, it's a fancy way of clearance, you know, there's some people that I know, you know, perhaps what they do to fill themselves is they're going to go to a baseball game. They're, they like to go to ball games, and maybe they go to football games, or maybe they like to go fishing or hunting, or or uh, maybe they go like to go for a run or exercise or workout or whatever. I don't know. There's lots of self-interest, okay? Reading books, playing video games, watching movies, uh, taking care of your grass and your lawn, building stuff in your workshop, working on some old car that's in your garage, whatever. Self-interest, right? Hobbies. Okay, we have to have those things. But all too often what happens is, and this is where it gets all shifty. See, because what happens is people, they put their, and it's, there's the temptations to do this, that we get our priorities all out of whack, and then what happens is there are people that are putting their own self-interest over everything else, and that's all out of whack, because then it's all about your self-interest. No, that's, that's messed up. That's not keeping things in priority. Or somebody, what they'll do is they'll prioritize serving in the church over their family, Always at the church, always serving, all this other stuff, and then your family's suffering. Or some people, what they do is they get it out of whack and they put their family over God. Okay, they, it's, like, it's like they wake up, crying kids. They go to bed, crying kids. They go, and then they, there's no time for themselves, and they fall asleep, exhausted, wake up and do the same mundane thing over and over again. And it's like they never have time for themselves to, to stay connected with King, with, with King Jesus. And so it should, uh, it should be balanced in all of these things. And so, friends, that's why I said number three is we got to keep our priorities in line. We need to have self-interest. We need, to, we need to have fellowship and serving in the church. We have to prioritize our family. And first and foremost, absolutely number one, utmost priority is we need to keep God up there where he belongs. You'll find if you, when you get all of these things out of whack, you'll find yourself being unhealthy. And so, friends, what is my purpose? Again, share it. What's your reason for being? Why are you here today? To, to love God and be loved by him. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't a trick question. That's right. So now you have to, out of that purpose, you need to identify what's your call. If you know what your call is, that's phenomenal. Do your best in that thing. Some people have multiple calls on your life. Have fun balancing all those things out. And you need to figure out what your assignment is, how you're going to do the thing that you're called to do. We're going to pray today. Because, friends, he changes my purpose. He changes the reason why I exist. And no matter what your call is and no matter what your assignments are, they should all revolve around the kingdom of God. They should. When you surrender your life to him, when you say, God, you're my all, then, then everything should ha- should should revolve around that and so I know there's a lot of people that get this stuff kind of out of balance and we're going to just pray today this isn't a word of condemnation God this is a word of encouragement God this isn't a word to God to destroy or to beat people up but God it's a word God of, of exhortation and sometimes your word does admonish us it gives us a little spanking and that's okay thank you for that because your word says that you discipline those you love and you rebuke those whom you call sons. And you call us sons and daughters today. And God, we just repent today if, if God, if we've been, God, in a season where we've been getting our priorities out of order. God, I thank you. 
would you just breathe on us just God that 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 spiritual capacity to keep all of our all of our priorities in line and in balance father i pray that today when i shared that about our purpose god if there is someone in this place that god questions that i pray that you would show yourself mighty in their life I pray that you would show yourself amazing in their life. God, that they would absolutely, 100% know that their purpose is to be loved by God and to love him back. And I pray that nothing would shake that, nothing would wane that, nothing would, would, would get us off course from that. And Father, out of that, we find our value in you. God, we find our, our God, who we are. We find our identity in our Father. Lord, I thank you, God. I thank you, God, that you would rightly give us the ability to live that out and to share that with a generation of people that are wondering who they are, trying to find out who their identity is, trying to find their value through other people, through social media, through likes on Facebook and Instagram and, and all these different platforms. Jesus. Would you bring freedom in our heart and our mind today? Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And friends, if you are battling with a sin issue in your heart today, right where you're sitting, right where you're, right where you're praying, would you just offer that before the Lord today? Just make an altar right where you're sitting. And just tell him. Say, Lord, I give this over to you again today. God, I don't want to be mastered by it. God, I don't want to be mastered by sin issues. God, I don't want to be mastered, God, by uh, areas in my life that, I'm, that I've given myself, my flesh over to. So, Father, I choose to surrender again today. Maybe that's anger. Maybe that's unforgiveness. Maybe that's lust and perversion. Maybe that's fear. Maybe that's pride. Maybe that's religion. Maybe that's oppression or depression. God, we just we just give over to you, God, any lies that we have identified ourselves with. shared this on uh, on Wednesday with our men's group. Um, we went to a pastor's convention a number of years ago. Or, ah, I keep saying a number of years ago. A number of weeks ago. And this lady had us do this little exercise where she actually had us, she actually had all of us write on this little piece of paper what the thing was that is constantly in front of us. Mind you, this is a room of three to five hundred pastors. What's the thing? What's the thing that's always in front of you? What's the thing that the enemy always lies to you about that's right there? Right in front of your face. So she had us write it on this little scrap of paper. She collected them all. She had keep it anonymous. And then she started reading them over. And you'd been amazed. I'm not good enough. 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 So friend, if leaders all over the city or all over the state of Ohio are being lied to leaders and pastors of churches that they're not good enough 
I guarantee you that there's somebody in this room or multiple people in this room, you identify with that lie the enemy lies to you, makes you feel like you're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. So in the name of Jesus, disagree with me. You are good enough. Obviously, the Bible says not no one is good, not even one. But you are valued. You're priceless. The value that he has for you is from outstretched arm to outstretched arm. And so when the enemy lies to you and tells you you're not good enough, you tell him. Well, you tell that to Jesus because he says otherwise. Amen? So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we break every lie of the devil that they're not good enough. Because in the eyes of our king, in the eyes of our Lord, you paid the ultimate price. You gave up your own rights because you looked at something that you valued and loved. And that was us, your creation. So God, yes, we're not good in our own rights, in our own merit, in our own ability, but God, you make us worthy. You make us good enough. So Father, we just receive that in the name of Jesus. Just receive that in the name of Jesus. The Lord deems you worthy. The Lord makes you good enough. In the name of Jesus. And receive that. And when the devil lies to you, you rebuke that and you don't receive that. And you say, in the name of Jesus, I am a son of God. In the name of Jesus, I am a daughter of God. In the name of Jesus, I receive the word of God over me. I receive what his word says, not what you say. Amen. Well, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. And may the Lord turn his face towards you. And may he give you peace. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Friends, God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Thank you for joining with us. You have purpose. You have value. Amen. God bless you.